welcome to our show, People Kind of Canada episode. We're going to be talking about Yves, Francois Blanchette. I'm Matthew. And I'm Taylor. And Blanchette, who I'll be referring to simply as Blanchette, because, uh, well, Francois is easy, but his first name is, is very difficult for me as an Anglophone to say. So Blanchette is the current leader of the Bloc Québécois, which is largely a federal party based in Quebec. Yeah. Tell us about him, Matthew. Yeah, so, you know, here we go. We're going to talk about his bio. I'm going to go on to the big stories, gaff corner, and cool person shit, which is our miscellaneous section. So let's do the biography. Woo! So Blanchette was born on April 16th, 1965 to uh, Pierrette. Again, these names. <laughs> Pierrette. like Pierre, but like a feminized version of it. Pierrette and Raymond Blanchette. When you do research on someone, it helps if they have a book or that they've been around for a long time. Uh, Blanchette has done neither. So it's, this is going to be a very quick biography because there just isn't that much on him and no one's written a book about him yet. So, you know. Yeah. So we're going to go right to uh, his graduation uh, from University of Montreal in 1987, where he received a bachelor's degree in history and anthropology. He then became a teacher. What did he teach? Where did he teach? Who can say? I did a lot of research and there's just not a lot on this guy. He just kind of was a regular dude, a regular mm. businessman slash teacher. Yeah. And so like he, he grew up in Quebec, uh, spent a lot of time in Montreal. He founded an artist management firm and record label called Diffusion YFB. And the label represented Francophone rock musician Eric Lapointe. Uh, Taylor, have you heard of Eric Lapointe? No. Has anybody heard about Eric Lapointe? Apparently he's very famous, but uh, only to okay. the French, I guess. All right. Not bad. Yeah, French fame doesn't actually count, though, so sorry. No, it's fake. Fake fame. Yeah, so from 2003 to 2006, he was president of the ADISQ. Uh, there's a French, uh, that's a French abbreviation. I'm not going to try to pronounce what it actually means. But essentially, it was a nonprofit organization whose mission was to support Quebec's independent music industry. So he was very much an entrepreneur uh, before he entered politics. And he really cared about um, the music industry. But so. has he made music is the question. There are no videos of Blanchette playing any instruments or singing oh. that I could find. I am extremely d disappointed, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, he's not cool like Stephen Harper when he like he was playing in that band. Like I think he was on the drums, right? Uh, Do you remember that I video? Don't, I don't want to remember <laughs> it. No. Uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, Blanchette represented Stephen Harper in his uh band, um, the Western Boys. Uh, I hate it. No, he he doesn't have a a pure jazz musician in the blood like our boy Kenny. Unfortunately, it's yeah. sounding like. No, what a disappointment. No, very much so. Um, so yeah, he he was named the local business personality of the year by the Drummondville Chamber of Commerce. So you know, personality, very charismatic man, from uh, from what people have said. <laughs> but you know, I watched some of his video. Like he speaks a lot in French, so I don't always fully understand what he's saying. I don't know if it's supposed to be charming or scary or populist or just pandering. It's hard to tell in French. Hmm. It always just sounds so seductive. That's that's really what it is. <laughs> well, that's all you need to know. 
Yeah, he's <laughs> trying to seduce you into the arms of the <laughs> Quebecois. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, bigot. Yeah. In 2008, he was elected in the Quebec Provincial Riding of Drummond to the National Assembly of Quebec. So basically, like, you know, the Canada's weird. Federalism is weird. Every province has its own little, like, provincial legislator. And for Quebec, they call theirs the National Assembly of Quebec. So, because they think they're a nation within a mm-hmm. nation. A distinct society, as they say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in uh, 2012, he was elected uh, in the riding of Johnson and uh, as a member of the Parti Québécois, which has been one of the bigger uh, provincial parties in Quebec, the, the PQ, as, the, as they're more colloquially known. And uh, in this riding as an MP, he was Minister of Sustainable Development, Environment, Wildlife, and Parks uh, until he was defeated in 2014 uh, by uh, a candidate, André Lamont, Lamontang. Oh yikes! <laughs> what uh, was that? Uh, that was that was just bad pronunciation. But Andre was a member of the coalition Avenir Quebec, uh, CAQ, and the CAQ is an interesting thing. Um, they're a party that came off of the Parti Québécois, and they've really risen up in the in the in notoriety in Quebec uh, during the uh, the tens, the tw- the twenty tens. Yeah. Yeah, I have I don't think I've ever heard of them. So just to be clear, Parti Québécois is the provincial party and Bloc Québécois is the federal party. No, their relationship, well, yeah, their relationship's interesting. When the Bloc Québécois was was originated in 1993, there was a relationship between the Parti Québécois and the Bloc, but there was a, there's a lot of tension. It's a very complicated relationship that the Bloc and the Parti Québécois have uh, with one another. Mm. Okay. And it's been made more complicated now that uh, the CAQ has risen to power. Like they're one of the premiers is a CAQ guy, uh, Francois Legault. You know, he's a he's a CAQ member, and he you know took that party into the provincial, the National Assembly of Quebec. So. Good to know. I really wish I knew more about Quebec. I really <laughs> don't. I've been there a couple times. My grandpapa is from Quebec. My mom is born in Quebec as well. However, I've only been there once and I was four years old. So, Damn. That was a yeah. while ago. Yeah. So, so right. So, like, in 2014, he's defeated and he starts a short-lived uh, media company called Tag Media. And during this time, he, he starts to delve into uh, political punditry. Some kind of like uh, Taylor and I over here with our uh, <laughs> political punditry uh, to the empty void. Yeah, that's right. And he uh, he grew he grew for himself quite a platform in Quebec as a fiery commentator on the Radio Canada political analysis show, Lays X. Fiery, my a goodness. Fiery commentator. Yeah. Mm. Very nice. Tying into this, actually, during his time in the National Assembly of Quebec. He was known as Goon. Goon? Goon. G-O-O-N. What yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. So that's like a hockey term for um, a kind of player on the ice that just like beats the shit out of other players. <laughs> and like Damn. takes hits and like, yeah. Damn. He's strong, I guess. Yeah. Okay. He was strong with words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. Nice. Yeah, apparently he got the nickname for his quick temper, 
Um, however, Blanchette insists those days are now behind him. So mm. the goon is gone. For now. For now. But he'll he'll come back up when he's the, the god emperor of Quebec. <laughs> the goon will rise. Oh, no. That, that's his ultimate goal. Yeah, I don't know. I wish I understood French because it was hard to research. Not Not too hard, but I imagine especially for his bio when so much of the media is in French and French yes. only. It's a struggle, folks. Yeah, and Google Translate's not always like the, the best thing in the world. So, yeah. No, no. So he does, yeah. So he's a fiery commentator. You know, he's, he spouts his spouts his poison, spouts, spouts some, uh, spits some stuff, you know, says a lot of stuff. It's all in French, so I didn't listen. Did you listen to <laughs> uh, his fiery commentating? No, I did not, unfortunately. Damn shame. I know, I know. Well, he uh, he missed politics a lot. You know, he felt the the siren call pulling him back. So he does his media commentating thing, and then he decides to be the leader of the Bloc Québécois. And I won't go too much into the specifics, but in the meantime, you know, the Bloc Québécois after Gills Duceppe just goes down the toilet. Like it gets really, really dire for them. So when Blanchette decides to announce his candidacy for the leadership position in November 26, 2018. No one else who's uh, eligible uh, applies for the candidacy. Uh, people do oh. <laughs> apply, but none of them are eligible. So in January of 2019, he is announced the leader because there was no one else. And so Blanchette, what he ends up doing is he, he, he aligns himself with the CAQ. Again, the CAQ, one of the MPs of the CAQ, like, kicked... <laughs> kicked uh, Blanchette out of the uh, National Assembly of Quebec. So, But he decides, you know, I'm going to warm up to them. They seem to be pretty popular. And um, they're, they're, they are quite popular under Francois Legault. In the 2015 election, they had only 10 seats. The bloc had 10 seats in the House of Commons. Uh, after the 2019 election, uh, Blanchette takes that number up to 32%. And he wins his riding in Belleau-Chambly. Oh, my God. Sorry, Writing. I think, well, you mentioned he, the block had 10 seats and he took it to 32 seats, right? Not 32%. Yeah, he, he, he increased the, the, he increased the number from 10 to 32. Right. Yeah. And this ends up displacing um, the NDP as a third party in the House of Commons. So, Rip. you know, Blanchette does pretty good for the Bloc Québécois. Actually, yeah. it's interesting. The first year of the bloc's existence, like, or their first their first election, they actually became the official opposition uh, against the liberals. Mm, look at them now. Look at them yeah, grow. It's, so it's been proud. a wild ride. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, he ran on environmental issues. You know, saying that a liberal or conservative government would run a pipeline right through Quebec, which he's probably not wrong about. Trudeau mm -hmm. does love his pipelines. He does. And last September, he contacted COVID-19 along with his wife. So, <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Sucks. Is he, is yeah. he live? Yeah, okay. he's still living. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, Blanchette, Blanchette's an interesting figure. Again, he hasn't been around too long in uh, federal politics. So, you know, he's still he's still kind of unknown. But we're going to we're going to explore the person who is Blanchette. Through our big stories, gaff corner, and cool person shit, which we'll get into uh, now. All right. 
So getting into our big stories here, the first one we're going to be talking about is Bill 21, or as it is now known, an act respecting the laicity of the state, which means lady, which means um, lay people, you know, respecting the people of the state. So if you don't know, Bill 21, which passed in June 2019, is a bill which prohibits state employees, which includes like teachers, lawyers, judges, uh, police officers, anybody kind of working in a public-facing, public service job. Um, it prohibits them from wearing religious symbols. So this could be a hijab, a cross, turban, anything like that is prohibited under this bill. Um, and it's a provincial bill, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a provincial bill passed by for the Quebec. provincial government for Quebec. And the reason we're talking about this with regards to Blanchette is that throughout the creation of this bill and a lot of the discussion around it, Blanchette and Bloc Québécois in general has very actively voiced their support for the bill and backed it and said that, you know, it's what Quebecers want. That's a very common theme here. The bill itself is supported by four principles, which is the religious neutrality of the state, the separation of state um, from religion, the equality of all citizens, and freedom of conscience, conscience, the freedom of conscience and religion. Interesting. So, You're gonna, I really want to hear the justification for the last one. Yeah, the, that was particularly interesting. I think that these four principles, I mean, the thing is, in the Quebec Charter itself, it guarantees freedom of religion. But mm -hmm. when this bill came out, one of the things that they did was that they adjusted the charter. So the charter, they adjusted it to make sure that they're affirming the fundamental importance of state secular secularism. <laughs> Hard to say words, <laughs> people. But basically, I mean, there's a lot of issues with this, but it's really women who are impacted by this law the most because especially when you look at the public sector jobs of teaching, uh, it's largely women who teach, mm -hmm. right? In middle schools and high schools and elementary schools, there is so many women who do those jobs. And one of the interesting things about this bill is that there's actually a grandfather clause. So if you are if you were already working a job and you know going to work in your hijab or whatever it may be, you could continue to wear that. But that's really interesting. It is really interesting, but. If you transferred somewhere or if you got promoted in the same, uh, by the same employer, like for example, if you became president or what the fuck are they called? If you were a principal instead of a vice principal now, you would not be allowed to wear that uh, religious clothing anymore. So mm. that's really interesting too. And just in general, I mean, the big issue with this bill is that again, you know, to say that any religion is free from critique. I mean, of course not, but that's not, that's clearly not the goal of the government here. Uh, in my opinion, from no. reading about it, what the goal 
of the Quebec government is, is really to suppress a minority. I mean, I don't know how you can say it any other way, especially when the premier, Legault, as well as Blanchette, both say in their justification of the bill, basically that a large majority of Quebecers are on board, so it's fine. You know, where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, because the majority of the province agrees that like a minority of people should not be able to do something, should not be able to express themselves freely. That makes it okay, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Do they give a more like reasonable justification or they do they just say, well, Quebec's racist, so what you're going to do? I want to, you know, the pollsters say Quebec's still racist, so, you know, away we go. Right. Like, do they say anything more than that? Well, I mean, it's just about they want to maintain really the purity of Quebec. They don't say it like that, but what it is is that they want to ensure that state secularism is maintained and they mm-hmm. see wearing you know religious symbols as something that divides the community basically which i don't agree with well and and that's the funny thing right if you're actually secular then you would be you know you would be a proponent of allowing people to express themselves the way that they do right it seems very illiberal and ideological and racist to go (laughs) to say like oh you can't do this because like you're gonna make a white person uncomfortable when their teacher is, you know, their son's teacher, daughter's teacher is wearing a hijab. Like, mm-hmm. like deal with your uncomfortableness, confront it. Why are you uncomfortable? Ask yourself some questions. I don't know. It's yeah. And another thing, like one of the principles that this bill hinges on, you know, the idea of religious neutrality of the state. I 100% agree with. But the Mm -hmm. thing about that is by neutrality, you're supposed to neither favor nor disfavor any particular belief. And again, this bill is one that any particular belief. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This one, this bill is one that disproportionately affects especially Muslim women, but women in general, because, again, they are just blocked off from that like huge (laughs) workforce Mm -hmm. because it's not. When you wear these religious symbols, you know, it's not just, you know, I wake up today and I'm wearing it just for fun. It's a deeply connected part to your religion. So by denying people of that, you're really telling them, A, you can't work here. B, you're not accepted here. C, if you don't like it, you can go somewhere else. And when you research this and kind of the aftermath, there are a lot of women who have been directly impacted by this and people in general but just people mm-hmm. who have either, you know, women or anybody who's in school to become a teacher who maybe immigrated to Quebec or moved to Quebec to, you know, pursue a future in something. It's, there was somebody who wanted to be a prosecutor and now they can't be. It's uh, not good. Yeah. And secularism isn't non-religion. It's the ability for the state to accept all kinds of diverse views. And yeah, I don't see the justification for, you know, uh, telling people what they can or cannot wear, especially when it is something of deep, like metaphysical importance to people. Like it's, it's not just like, like people have dress codes and stuff. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm just going to end up repeating myself. I think there is no proper justification. And from what you've said, Taylor, 
that still seems to be the case, aside from that the French people hold some racist views. Yeah, and there have been a couple of updates since it did pass in 2019. So one of the Mm -hmm. things was that uh, the Montreal's English school boards were actually able to receive $125,000 from this program called the Court Challenges Program, which is funded by the federal government. And originally, this was a program that, well, I wouldn't say originally, it still is a program that exists to kind of help protect the rights of people who are marginalized and oppressed in whatever way and like get through these court battles, which are extremely expensive. And it's something Mm -hmm. that uh, the Quebecois and just Quebec in general has very much supported in the past, you know, being French Canadians or, well, maybe not French Canadians, what do I say? I don't want to ascribe such a role to Quebec, but, you know, just having those dynamics, this was something that really they saw a lot of value in. But when the Montreal's English school boards were able to receive 125000 that they actually did not accept, um, I wasn't mm-hmm. really sure the messaging why they didn't accept it, but they didn't. And this was to fight Bill 21. Um, the block made it pretty clear that they weren't happy. And Blanchet said specifically, you know, school boards already have so many resources. And that the block can't accept when the government is taking Quebec taxpayers' money to challenge a law which is largely approved by Quebec citizens and people. So again, going back to what the citizens, what the people of Quebec want and agree with, not really understanding, especially that the Court Challenges program is to help people who are marginalized or oppressed in some way, or maybe minorities, Mm -hmm. perhaps. Um, So I thought that was pretty ironic. Well, that's always, yeah, no, very much so. But that's always been the thing with Quebec. It's, you know, whenever Ottawa interferes with them, to them, a a lot of Quebecers will be like, oh, look at this sovereign nation impeding on another sovereign nation, you know, Ottawa and Quebec. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's a long history there. That Yes, a very long history. Yeah, that's certainly. The West also feels the same about Ottawa as well. That's true. Everyone hates yeah, Ottawa, fuck Ottawa. And for good reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah. The Laurentian consensus. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, at least we can agree on one thing. Um, and the last thing I'll say, which is a pretty recent update in April 2021, And this is actually in response to a couple of lawsuits, I think. But the Quebec Superior Court did admit that Bill 21 was bad in some ways. um, And they Mm. struck it down. Certain parts of the law is unconstitutional, but pretty much not much. (laughs) Like, basically, all they did was that they said it can't be applied to English schools specifically. Um, because English schools want to foster diversity and Bill 21 gets in the way of that. But I guess French schools don't want to foster diversity. So that's cool. <laughs> Which I mean is that like literally that was the reasoning. English schools want to foster diversity. Which, okay, what are you saying about the French ones? Okay. I, I will I will say though in defense of the French in, in this one sense, you know, English has hegemony throughout the country. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I can I can see why 
a minority group like French people would have some like they might be a bit skeeved out by diversity because they might feel like, oh, well, our status as French people and our heritage and our history and our language is being erased through diversification. Whereas you wouldn't feel that way in English as an English speaker unless you were a white yeah, supremacist. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> there's still plenty of people who feel that way, but yeah. 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 No, that's so that's a good that point. makes it a bit. Yeah. Not to defend it, but I can understand the sentiment a bit better that way. Yeah. Yeah. And just like I feel like the general, again, you know, with this bill, it keeps coming back to it's the consensus of the citizens of Quebec. And, you know, again, reading mm-hmm. the stories uh, that people have with this bill. They would like there was a woman who was like, yeah, my friends came to me and they were like, I kind of, you know, I love you, but I kind of agree with the bill. (laughs) So it's, yeah, it's an interesting dynamic for sure. But it's really interesting that the Superior Court did rule, you know, that it's unconstitutional just in this specific circumstance. But yeah, and from this decision, the province disagreed that... It was unconstitutional in English schools. So even on this little concession, they disagreed and said that, and again, this is the province, so not directly Mm -hmm. related to Blanchette, but, you know, in terms of this bill, especially uh, the Bloc and Legault and the province worked very closely together and agree on what's going Mm -hmm. on here. So... Just to close out, the province disagrees and wants to appeal and said they want to keep united in Quebec and all laws that are adopted here at the National Assembly have to apply to everyone. So yeah, that's still mm-hmm. a still a situation that is happening. Again, this was April 2021 for the last update and yeah, still bad that it's even a thing in my opinion. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a lot. Again, as always, there's always so much to talk about. But yeah, no, it's an interesting conversation. Okay, so content warning for this one. We're gonna be talking about sexual assault. So content warning for you there. We'll have a t- we'll have time codes in the show notes below. So, in July of 2020, on Facebook, um, there's like a forum where you can post your stories of sexual assault, and a unnamed woman anonymous anonymously uh, wrote a story that happened between her and Blanchette in the late 1990s. She and Blanchette and a bunch of others were with Eric Lapointe, that rock singer that I mentioned in the biography. Oh, yeah. They just, yeah. He's back. Oh, my God. I did not see, thought, I did not see this coming, honestly. Yeah. So Eric Lapointe and them, they all shot this music video. At the time, Blanchette is like the manager for Eric Lapointe. So they, they go to a strip club after the, the filming of this music video. You know, they're having their party. And unfortunately, uh, concerning the allegation, or, or what, this, what this woman says happened is that he took her into the bathroom, gave her cocaine, or tried to give her cocaine, and tried to, or groped her and kissed her, even though she told him to stop. Hmm. And so she's she's told this story. She's told the story of herself and others parting with Lapointe for decades. However, she said that she's not. She hasn't liked to. She doesn't. She hasn't talked about the allegation that happened, or sorry, she hasn't talked about the assault that occurred. So, you know, whenever you have one of these allegations that come out, one of the best ways to corroborate them is that if this person told a friend or someone after the fact of this thing's occurrence, um, that didn't happen. I'm not saying that 
this allegation is untrue, but her reason is that she just didn't like to think about it and she just put she, she just put it behind her. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so it wasn't until, you know, Blanchette arrives on the national stage as a federal leader of the Bloc Québécois that she recognizes him. And she's like, hey, that's Francois. And uh, she actually thought Francois was his last name. Uh, back then, he had shorter hair. I think she described him as bald. So mm. she like recognized him, though. He looked a little bit... Di- he has longer hair now and glasses and all that good stuff. And so she's like, oh, my God, that's the guy. And he's now the leader of the Bloc Québécois. She writes, um, this isn't political. I have no interest in Quebec politics. She just wanted to let people know, you know, that this guy allegedly did something pretty horrible back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has photos from the night and... Uh, Uh, This is uh, Montreal Gazette reporting on this story. They say that uh, she was able to recall details about the party that only someone who had attended it would know. Mm. So she was definitely there. You know, again, with these allegations, you know, you have two people in the bathroom. So, you know, you're not going to get there's no corroboration of that event, but you you wouldn't really expect there to be any corroboration. Right. So, yeah. And like, yeah, that's the thing with any incident of sexual assault rape you know anything like that it is often legitimately difficult to prove especially when it comes up decades later right um oh yes even in a context like this where she was alone with him in the bathroom it's like well why didn't she tell a friend or why didn't she make a police report but of course there are a lot of reasons why somebody wouldn't share that experience Mm -hmm. with someone so yeah, especially knowing though there was photos and she remembered details. Um, in general, I do have a tendency to believe survivors. And I think, you know, there's a mm-hmm. conversation to have there about, I just think, of course, being black on white in any issue is not a good way to go. But I don't find it unbelievable that like some entrepreneur like some coked up (laughs) record label guy yeah Yeah. exactly record label guy like partying with a rock star well i don't fucking know lapointe but apparently he was pretty big like Mm -hmm. that's not unbelievable to me and that's not to say every allegation has to be believable either and certainly sometimes it's who you would expect the least but in this context i would have a tendency to yeah believe this allegation, or at least, like I see Jug- Jugmeet Singh commented, um, find it troubling. Yeah, he found it troubling. And, and just to be clear, like Blanchette denies the allegations, mm-hmm. and he said that, you know, if this did occur, this woman should have or should now go to the police and file a report with yeah. them. And to be clear, like filing a police report now would do nothing. And filing mm-hmm. a police yeah. report, you know, 20, 30 years ago when this happened, would also probably do nothing. There's a lot of issues with going to the police and their general response to women or victims of sexual assault and them not taking it seriously, right? And again, yeah. there's just so many dynamics about why you wouldn't go to a specific person or to the authorities in the case of a sexual assault. Yeah, and if it weren't for the Montreal Gazette's reporting and like corroboration of like, you know, this is a real person because like, we don't know who she is. So like literally I could go write a post on like face on this thing, you know, and or just write a post myself and just say like, oh, yeah, like like jug meat, like, you know, he, he touched me at a at a meeting, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Like I could say that. But I, I think because there is some, you know, the Montreal Gazette reached out to her. I read their report. I read their like their article. It was kind of vague on exactly how they, it seemed like they did speak to her because they mentioned that she had the photos and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, right. So, you know, I'm I'm just saying like, if it weren't for that, then the possibility of just like an anonymous thing just being made like, yeah, like in the like election that, that could just be anyone and everything. Like, yeah, yeah, that could just be anyone. But I think there is corroboration that makes it just not some like crank. Just you know, so I I I think I you know if she's a real person, which it seems that she is, then you know I believe this story. I don't I don't find it that incredible. It's hard to get as angry at Blanchette. Because I don't, like, as compared to Justin Trudeau, because Justin Trudeau has been, like, this big, like, feminist, capital M, fe- yeah. capital M, feminist. Ooh, got him. Uh-oh. Freudian. Freudian. No, and just on concerning Justin Trudeau, like, he said he had no comment to make. Yeah, that's uh, so bad, because it was brought to his attention, like, honestly, I would just, ra- I mean, that's a very PR response by Trudeau. In that case, like... It's a non-PR response. <laughs> and that's all he does, right? But yeah, it's especially frustrating from him as like, yeah, rainbow socks wearing liberal, progressive, feminist Trudeau. Whereas with Blanchette, I'm like, yeah, I could see it, um, which is terrible, but... Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah the reason Trudeau couldn't say anything was that um, the, the there's a secret caucus in the House of Commons called the uh, Sexual Assault Club... <laughs> And one of the rules is that you can't comment on your boy's behavior. So no, the first rule about the sexual assault club is that you don't talk about the sexual assault club. Do yeah. you like that one? Do you like it? Do you like my reference? I've never yeah, seen Fight Club, actually. So thank you. I thank have. you very much. It's a good movie. Although apparently now it's like some like MRA kind of no, movie thing. It's been thing. like Whatever, that for years. Like I think, I think since the beginning, there was probably dudes who took it that way, which I'm pretty sure is like the opposite of what it was trying to go for. Am I wrong? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like I like the director a lot. I can't remember who who they are, but I thought the movie was fine. <laughs> I thought I it was think entertaining. So. I didn't read into it too much. I don't think. Right. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I don't know. I can't. I've never seen it. I haven't read the book, but from what I've read, it it men men's rights activists should not be standing. Uh, what the fuck his name is? Listen, one day I'll watch Taylor this movie. Durden. Yes, yeah, him. Taylor no, Tyler, Tyler Durden. Durden. Oh, yeah, Tyler Durden. Oh, oh, the brain's going crazy today. <laughs> I want to finish my thought though before yes. um, I said that. You know, like it's not. It's hard to get mad at Blanchette. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not hard to get mad at Blanchette for this. If this did occur, which I think it did, then like this is this is not only troubling. Like this should disqualify you from being a a leader of a federal party. No, it's just it's more troubling up. with Trudeau because he's so like, mm-hmm. yeah. It's just, so. uh, yeah. We hate Trudeau here, folks. God. I feel like every episode we talk about <laughs> sexual assault because uh, turns out it's a widespread systemic problem. Mm. Who would have thought? It really makes you think. Yep. I feel like every girl that I've met has had a story or two. Oh, 100%. I'm pretty sure. Like, I know there's that... Um, statistic that people like to point to like you know three and four women or something have experienced either like harassment catcalling whatever and then one in four have experienced you know rape or sexual assault and yeah if you speak Mm -hmm. to the women in your life at the very least they will have an unpleasant and uncomfortable encounter with a man 
who is assuming too much and at the very worst you know you get into rape and sexual assault and yeah it's often not talked about still even though with the me too movement and everything it's becoming more accepted but it's still so hard to talk about you know it's just yeah and it's not only women of course of course yeah and that's another interesting thing to talk about too where yeah the dynamic of men who experience sexual assault or rape it goes in the complete opposite direction where it's like good job man if it's like a literal child and like a teacher or something or if you're a kid (laughs) and just yeah there's a lot of shame that comes with it a lot of self-blame especially the younger you are it's just it's awful honestly so so yeah again like our mps are showing that they're just uh just bastards just sexual assaulting bastards if the allegations are true which i don't think they're ever going to be proven true yeah, there's no way not. you can Be- prove it, really. There's no... Well, yeah, exactly. And let's say that she is, like, a bad-faith political operative, which, you know, conspiratorial, but because she's anonymous... Yeah. Well, that's a bigger discussion yeah. to get I into, mean, because there have... Like, these things have been weaponized before in, like, American politics, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I will say, you know, the Montreal Gazette, I enjoy reading. <laughs> Generally, I think they do good work. So, yeah, yeah, and it makes sense that she would remain anonymous. And it doesn't really, the thing is, it doesn't add anything to the story if she was to come forward, right? Like, maybe it would confirm that they knew each other. But if there is already the photos and she knows the details of the party, that's not really needed. And coming forward would probably most certainly just lead to, you know, unnecessary harassment. So, oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially from like the CAQ crowd in oh, Quebec. Yeah. Oh God! Ooh, could you imagine? Oof! Nope. But yeah, so I guess um, that's really all I have to say. Again, it's just astonishing that people can get away with these things for years, and even when mm. it is released, it's kind of like, Meh. well, that's troubling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. <laughs> okay, that. Singh. Thank you for your con- contribution. <laughs> that's true. I mean, at least he said something. Where Trudeau just—it's <laughs> he had no comment to make, which makes me assume. Trudeau you know, uh, was just, yeah. you know, a reporter asked him or whatever, a journalist, and he was just like, mm, "I don't, I don't have any comment." Just like, great, okay. So you, so you're a feminist, but you don't have any comment. But like, legitimately, he's just, uh, ugh. yeah, yeah. PR folks, it's uh it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Let's be honest in our politics, huh? Yeah. No, that <laughs> would be a disaster too. Yeah. There's no solution. Just uh, yeah. Just burn it all down. That's the solution. It's easy. That's a uh, that's Fight Club, baby. <laughs> you blow up all the buildings. Spoiler, spoiler alert. Spoil spoilers. Post spoiler alert. Man. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess we should go on to the gaff corner. All right. So. It is time for the gaff corner where we put all of the shameful behavior into one corner and get disappointed or angry or pee on it. Yeah, that's right. So we're uh, starting off hot with some Islamophobia in the party to the surprise surprise of nobody. Um, So this was around the 2019 election period. Again, where there were four separate candidates who had been caught. They were caught in the act. No, it was like they just either had Islamophobic or racist social media posts. Oh, and then there was a fifth one 
who shared a video by La Muette. That's definitely wrong. Which is a <laughs> Quebec nationalist group, which is against Islam and illegal immigration, apparently. And it was founded by two former Canadian Armed Forces members. So there is your fun fact of the day. So yeah, the fifth nice. person shared that video. I'm not really going to list all of the names. A, because I can't say them properly. And B, because I don't know. Go look them up. They don't deserve it. <laughs> yeah. And also, like, I, the article didn't really, it did go over the specific things, but generally, uh, probably the most, uh, how do I say it? Okay, Carol Desbian, again, don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. This was the one for me that was the most notable because rather than, like, being a social media post, this was actually the case of her going to a publication which was promoting law secularism. Which I'm not really... Sh Do you know what that means? <laughs> like, law secularism? Yeah. Secular law? No, I don't, I I don't, don't. know. I'm not I familiar. Don't know. Yeah, so she, she went to this publication, which is promoting law secularism, and said that she was worried that women would soon be forced to either wear a veil to go to the grocery, sh to go grocery shopping or be thrown in jail. And there wasn't any further context on, like, is she talking about Quebec still? Like, I honestly mm -hmm. wasn't sure because, again, law secularism wasn't clarified. Um, the journal wasn't linked or anything. So, either well, way. Just... Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. Well, I just want to say, like, I've had firsthand experience with Islamophobes. I'm not going to say who they are in my life, but... <laughs> Like, they are very genuinely concerned about, like, Muslims, like, having more children than mm. non-Muslims and essentially taking over the world and, like, you know, invoking Sharia law. <laughs> Again, Sharia, I think, just means law, so right. law, law, into Western countries. So, you know, I mean, that this has been, like, a talking point of, like, social conservatives and Christians mm. and racists for a long time, Islamophobes. But people genuinely get, get scared and like really defensive i remember i had someone i don't know if i should tell this story it's pretty bad <laughs> eh, go for no i'm gonna it. tell the story <laughs> i was talking with someone and she was saying that there was a, a mosque um halfway between her work and her home and she said to us all sitting at the table she said you know i like to walk three blocks around the mosque because i'm gonna get raped if i don't and everyone around the table like started nodding their head like yes that's, <laughs> oh, no. that's smart and i'm just like that's so that what's the meme <laughs> that's racist <laughs> like, that's no like <laughs> that's that is long what year was that from? that's an old meme yeah, whatever old i don't meme. care that's racist that that yeah. is legitimately racist <laughs> uh no it quite, was it was quite stunning. blatantly it, yeah so yeah like like you know people genuinely do hold these views mm -hmm. um and yeah <laughs> yeah and the bigger question which we can't really get into now is you know where are those views coming from why why <laughs> why how um, lots of big questions but yeah so that was very notable to me that this carol desbian you know went to this publication being mm -hmm. very vocally worried that again wearing a veil going grocery shopping or being thrown in jail which is just 
Yeah, to me, completely incomprehensible as a worry. But yeah, yeah, you know, you get kind of stuck. And especially when you're surrounded by people who agree with you and sympathize with you and are like, yeah, this is a completely big worry and something you should be concerned about. I can see, I guess, how you would get there. I mean, it happens. Um, and that was in 2013 that that came up. Oh, and mm-hmm. she also praised Marine Le Pen, who, if you aren't familiar, nice. <laughs> yeah, if you aren't fami- familiar, she's a very prominent um, politician in France, and uh, she's bad. Yeah, she's the leader of that really right-wing group. Yes, that I can't remember the name of. I also can't remember the name. But yeah, this Carol is a fan and everyone else like it was definitely bad posts and disgusting, but it was more what you would see from like your racist uncle, like, you know, stuff I'm I'm personally more familiar with scrolling down my Facebook feed. And again, like if you're going to be a politician or literally just exist, like, come on, folks, you know better, but they don't clearly. So maybe they do know better because their base, their their base is going to be like, Yes. (laughs) That's true. You know, that's a good point. Yeah. And I'm sure the thing, like, they did all make an apology. All, I think all five candidates released apologies. Um, This was originally brought up by Le Journal um, of Montreal, I think. And every single apology was the same from all all (laughs) five people, (laughs) which is just like the, the block, like, pushing out an email quick and be like, quick, give them this. Um, And every email said that they were sorry, that what they said was considered to be Islamophobic and that they didn't mean to offend anyone, which if you're familiar with apologies, is a very non-apology. It's a very, I'm sorry you got offended kind of thing. So that's fun. My favorite apology. (laughs) Yeah, the best, the best apology. I'm sorry you got so butthurt, you fucking loser. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say is that our boy Blanchette uh, specifically said, or not specifically, but in response, Blanchette said that they all regret having shared in the past videos or messages containing inappropriate comments, which, and this was an email response, um, and he said they apologized as the leader, (laughs) like they apologized with the apology, my PR team directly (laughs) emailed to them <laughs> yeah um and as the leader of bloc quebecois i add my apologies on their behalf to the entire the entire population of quebec i'm like do you though do you francois he's no. francois with you know bill just in the context of bill 21 it's a it's a little Sorry, rich in the context of bill 21 and mm-hmm. the bloc's involvement and very active support of it it's a little rich um apologizing to the entirety of Quebec when there is also, you know, a Muslim population and general racialized population that you're kind of um, targeting through a specific bill. But, uh, yeah. yeah. So that's that, and I'm done with that, though. All right, folks, uh, we will be talking about the N-word. I've told Taylor she can't say it verbatim. (laughs) All right. She's very disappointed. Yeah, that's not what happened. You can't slander me like this. No, oh, it's God. a he said, she said story. So you'll just have to take my word for it as a man. All right. Get into okay, so, it already. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Matthew. Okay. 
Yeah, so um, so in October 2020, uh, there was a story about a part-time University of Ottawa professor, Varushka Lieutenant Duval. Lieutenant? Yeah, that's, that's like her a last, middle her, name? Her last no, that's name? like her last name. Like they're, Is like she her Russian? Lieutenant Duval. Varushka. Varushka. Lieutenant. Yeah, I guess she's like Russian or Eastern European. Mm-hmm. So she was teaching an art and gender class, and they were having a class discussion on the reclamation and reappropriation of words and phrases originally intended to oppress and dehumanize others, one of those words being the N-word. And instead of saying the N-word, she said, Taylor, take it away. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Sorry. Okay, so yeah, so so she said the actual actual word. She said it. She said it, it, the word. Okay, but yeah, she said the word, and so... Um, a student complained in her class, and she was uh, suspended. Uh, then she was reinstated, though all of her classmates, or sorry, not all of, them, all of her students were given the option to go to a different class, mm. like for the same credit, and all but one moved Whoa. to the other class. Damn. And that one student <laughs> was MLK. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh unfortunately it wasn't can you imagine being the one student left like damn he's like i say it too (laughs) oh no um yeah so so yeah so like you know this one student stays and like she says that you know she gives an apology she's like no she regrets having used the word uh Mm -hmm. so that's like the context for the story right this is a big story i remember reading about it uh and uh blanchette had some uh, had some thoughts about this (laughs) oh no so he actually called together a news conference either to explicitly discuss (laughs) either to explicitly discuss this or just like as an as an addendum to what he was already gonna say in the conference and um he defended the right of uh, professors and other academics to use controversial words he said to this what's that no no continue He, he said to the cbc Words have been used for really bad purposes throughout history and even today. And the persons who are under the prejudice that this causes to them deserve all our compassion. However, (laughs) saying a word in the context of education, most of all university education, to transmit knowledge and science and the ability to criticize and analyze some issues is not a gesture that brings a prejudice against those persons. So that's that's what you took away. Yeah. Okay. Like, we're we're gonna get into it, but I just wanna okay. I just wanna finish off. Um, uh, the NDP and the Green MPs they came they came against you know his uh the professor saying these words and against Blanchet defending it, and they're like you know, um, Blanchet's creating a false dilemma between academic freedom and offense. The real issue that should be focused on, they say, are the people who are traumatized by such words. And uh, one of these uh the NDP MP. Oh my God. Matthew Green, who's an NDP MP, said, When we have a community community that is saying explicitly that this causes them harm in the environment they are trying to access, their employment, or they're trying to access their education, we should listen to them first. Mm-hmm. So, Taylor, thoughts? Here's the thing with the N-word debate, if you want to call it that. Why do you want to say the N-word so bad? You know, that's my question to... Particularly Blanchett's. I mean, in terms of the prof, uh, 
I think especially knowing the context of the original conversation versus like reading it like when that sub for your English class reads it when you're reading like um what the fuck was that book uh what books do they oh, say? Oh, Huckleberry Finn. Yeah, Huckleberry Finn or To Kill a Mockingbird. I didn't actually right. read that. Yeah, that's a very... Taylor can't read. <laughs> I don't know how to read. This this should be common knowledge by now if it isn't yet. This is canon. It's canon. It's confirmed. You know, write it everywhere. Write it in the wiki. But yeah, specifically um, in this context of the art and gender class and that conversation, I think it's interesting. The thing for me is, yeah, I don't think it's necessary to say, like, you just don't, everybody knows the N-word, right? And if not, I mean, I'm sure it's written somewhere or there's some other context you can engage with it. I do think, I do like what um, Matthew Green said about it, where if the people who are directly um, affected by this are saying, yeah, it hurt me, it caused me distress, whatever it is, we should probably listen to them first. I, yeah, I don't like where Blanchett was coming from with his argument and the whole starting, like actually calling a news conference and everything and basically going up there and saying, we should be able to say the N-word. Like, that's kind of silly to me. I get where he's coming from again, but... Like, (laughs) the person's, like, the professor's rights and the rights of other academics to use controversial words. My my question to that would be, what is the necessity to use the controversial word? You know, does it cause more harm than good? And causing harm is a very vague thing. But when you're a racialized person and just somebody who faces, you know, uh, oppression in general, bullying, whatever it may be, those can be, and they are legitimately upsetting words. And to have them said, even where, you know, it may be, or what you thought was kind of a safe environment that can kind of catch you off guard and make you uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. I just, for me, I just don't think it's really necessary to say it. Like, you don't need to say the N word fully to get the point across, is what I'm trying to say. Right. Okay. So before I get into, you know, like the metaphysics of the N-word, <laughs> its ontology, I, I want to talk just like, I just want to talk more about the student's behavior because I find that a bit more reprehensible. Okay. So Repre- yeah, it's interesting how well, literally okay, all me, of them me, dropped the class. And I think that's definitely, yeah, I want to hear your thoughts on it, please. Okay. So I just had like a bit of a story. So I, I, I attended university and we had an English class. We had an English professor. And he was talking about kind of a similar subject, and he said the N-word aloud. And he said it a couple times, and I remember afterwards, a bunch of our classmates and me were talking in another class that we just happened to share, and they were all just like, I can't believe he said it. They're all white people, by the way. And so, you know, I, I think there is a genuine place for someone to say, to use that word in a context that is not intended for harm, and just to be either ignorant because again like mm-hmm. you know i'm not saying that the n-word affects every black person the same there i'm sure there are tons of them that would just be, tons of them oh my god <laughs> them? there are tons of people oh, <laughs> them oh my god the, fucking there are got tons of black, oh my god Ex- i got myself exposed well there are tons of black people that would just say like i don't care like fuck like and that, but there are other people that would say that is a very hurtful and harmful and traumatizing word so you know 
Oh my god, it's a, it's a lot to talk about. Yeah. But essentially, what I find the most problematic in this story is just the student's response to Tattletale. I yeah. hate that shit. If you have a problem with your professor, you're a fucking adult. <laughs> you are a fucking adult. Go up to the professor and say, hey, you know, your usage of that word, I don't think it's very conducive to a learning atmosphere. I don't know why I'm speaking like a PR person. <laughs> but like, just say like, like that word hurt yeah. me. Like that word hurt others in my class. Like, you shouldn't be using this word, and here's why. Mm-hmm. And I think a good professor would take that and say, "No, you're right. Yeah, that, like I was, I was being insensitive, or I just wasn't taking into consideration the concerns of my students. So thank you." Mm-hmm. But these fucking yeah. students, man, they go right up to the top and mm-hmm. like, "You won't believe what they said." <laughs> and again, we don't have the full context or like the makeup of the classroom or who it was. But I that know the type up. of people that would tattle. I know yeah. the type because no, I mean my, I had a. The, I've yeah. had a similar, not really similar situation, but a case where it was completely devoid of any oppression. It was just like my prof was like, oh, hey, since actually this is a day off this week, why don't we make the assignment due a week earlier? And all of us in the class were nodding our heads and we're like, yeah, that's cool. And then this one girl, without even talking to any other classmates either, maybe she complained a bit, but she went to the dean. So then the Ooh. dean goes to him and is like, hey you know, you did this to your classmates and that's fucked up. So then we have to sit through a really uncomfortable conversation with him the next class where he's, because he doesn't know who did it also. It's like, why didn't you just come to me? And I think it's a valid question. And this, in that context, especially was reprehensible. I think in the context of the N-word or like any kind of slur, I can see why somebody would be more uncomfortable going to a prof, especially because you have to acknowledge there is a power dynamic there. Like that's the person who grades you, right? Well, there's also the 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 alternative, the, the other power dynamic, which is that students are customers and the mm-hmm. customer is always right. Ah. A lot of university professors taught, no, the lot of university professors told, like talked about this openly in the class. They're like, university is a consumer thing no i mean i'm I'm not disagreeing with that but in the context of the consumer always being right though i would say in this specific instance yeah we saw that i mean the thing is in a lot of other instances as well no if you go higher up absolutely that's the case i'm just saying i can see why somebody would be uncomfortable with having that conversation especially actually in the context of what the class the class was about which was how you know these words and phrases can be used to oppress and dehumanize others so you would think with the prof having that knowledge that just you know like you just don't need to say it man you really don't need to say it what is what is the value in saying it is my question like just don't especially if you're a prof in this specific context you know this is a white russian woman it sounds like you know, you just you are you anti Russian? Uh, yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't. I honestly don't know why I specified Russian in there. Listen, I'm not saying anything about Russian people, but just you know, I just I don't get why you have to say it. Just just don't say it. And I also want to touch on something you briefly mentioned earlier, which is and which we've had many conversations about in private, which is what somebody intended when they said a word. And Mm -hmm. my thing with that is that I agree with what Matthew Green said again, which is where, you know, it's not about, well, he didn't say this explicitly, but it's not really about 
what you intended, you know, if it was a learning environment, if whatever, if the people who are impacted that impacted by that are saying it's not okay, that they were made uncomfortable, that's what matters and you need to own up to it. Yeah. I feel like on this I don't always agree with Taylor on 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 that issue, but on in this in this certain situation, I think the necessity for saying the N-word, look, obviously as a white person, maybe don't know I'm white. Maybe it's We're very both obvious. White. It's probably pretty obvious, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Matthew. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That's my white that's my Dave Chappelle white voice. Nice. Oh, uh, hi Dave. No, I can't I can't <laughs> do it. Anyways. So Dave. No, I can't do it. I'm gonna stop. Um you're right, so you know, in this certain situation, I don't think there is a proper justification for using the N word. Again, like for me, like it doesn't bother me, obviously, because it's never been used against me. I don't really have a relationship with the word. Mm-hmm. I mean, as like preteens, like we used to say every slur in the book towards each other because we were edgy preteens and that was funny for us, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I'm not a preteen anymore. <laughs> I'm all grown up now. So for me, the necessity of saying that word and, you know, I like I think there's someone like like George Carlin, like the seven words you can't say, you know, his comedy routine where he just lists all these different swear words and there's like the reason you weren't allowed to say these words back then was because of moralism, Christian moralism. But I think on issues of race, like it's definitely a more, uh, a, a more different and difficult conversation to have because a, a Christian or a conservative would say, you know, possibly say like the F word is like, like fuck <laughs> is like <laughs> offensive F on word. like Ooh. ambiguous, like moral grounds. It's a swear word, but you know the n word the f word like like you don't need like to what, live, what, what, what british, need to what british people smoke <laughs> nice yeah yeah um you know these these words have a different dimension to them of oppression and so mm-hmm. it's very easy for me to say like dude they're just words man context you know context matters if you're just talking about them mm-hmm. but and i remember a louis ck bit where you know louis ck said you know, when you say the N-word, you're making me say the actual N-word in my head. <laughs> right. Which is kind of funny. But, you know, I, I think saying it out loud in a class could be potentially very uncomfortable for someone. And apparently for these students, it was not, you know, not a great time. So, I mean, if the student who complained was white, I have less sympathy. Maybe mm-hmm. I shouldn't. I don't, I don't know, know what to think. I don't know <laughs> I don't either. Know. <laughs> That's a big question. I don't I know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Do I'm... Like, I will say, you know, it sounds like, yeah, she did apologize for using the word and, you know, she regrets mm-hmm. it, I'm sure. I would hope it's a genuine apology. You know, like... She's nobody, a thoughtful person, I imagine. Yeah, nobody likes to make other people uncomfortable, especially in that context. And, like, she did face consequences. You know, she was suspended. She lost basically her entire class, which I don't know actually how the pay structure of universities work but i mean you know we pay like 750 dollars for a class or whatever it is yeah so i assume you know they get a chunk of that change and i'm assuming when everyone dropped it they probably got refunded and she didn't see any of that money you know however you feel about that but you know i'm just saying she faced consequences um and did apologize which is good yeah i just (laughs) going back to blanchett like to have a whole news conference and like be I didn't see it, but I'm just picturing him like very animate, 
animated and like slamming his fist and be like, we need to say the N word. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) You can't do this to us. Um, It's just kind of, I don't know, not funny, but just like out of touch with reality, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I really, no, I really agree with Green. You know, it's not a matter of freedom or not. If you want to say the N word and scream into your pillow, you know, feel free. But it is really about the way that it affects people. And if you're a sympathetic or empathetic person, even if you're like, well, you shouldn't feel this way, they do. Yeah. They, I'm using, like people. (laughs) (laughs) Who is they? Come on, man. What do you mean by you people? Oh, I did a voice. (laughs) No, don't. That's Robert Downey Jr. doing so. Or no, no. Oh, my God. This is where our oh podcast ends. <laughs> this is it. It's over. Thanks for coming, folks. See you I next do remember, week. though, I was at a Kanye West concert. You got to see And, like, Kanye you know how they West? let audience members sing? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can sing along with Kanye West. And I'm like, I ain't saying she a gold digger, but she ain't messing with no broke N-word. And, like, mm-hmm. Kanye West kicked me off the stage. He's like, <laughs> if you ain't going to say as, it, get off the stage. As he should have. No, but do you remember that video of that white woman at a Kendrick Lamar concert, I think? No. Oh, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it was Kendrick Lamar. I think so. Kendrick Lamar is based. Just throwing that out there. (laughs) Incredible And she said the N-word in the whole... He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That was pretty good. Yeah. Aw. Yeah. That was good stuff. I didn't actually sing with Kanye West. Okay. I was on board. I was like, Really? What? Was this his uh, flashing lights tour? Damn. Yeah, well, first of all, I, I can't rap. Uh, <laughs> and second of all, my favorite rapper is uh, Macklemore. Oof. I'll be leaving the show now. Oof. Not actually. Not actually. Fucking um, better he's not okay, be. though. He's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot. There's there's like way more that we could say about this topic. Um, but I think we're probably going to end it here unless you have one more thought to say, Taylor. Uh, no, saying the N-word is bad. If you, like, desperately want to say it in a public setting, you are weird and probably racist. <laughs> like, you just, you don't have yeah. to say it, man. It's okay. You don't have to say yeah, it. Yeah, I, I think Matthew Green said it best. It's not about academic freedom. It's about respecting the safety and feelings of your students. Yep. And if you don't, you don't have to agree with them feeling the way that they do, but they feel that way. So you should respect them. I think that's common decency. I agree. I I think that will do it for the Gav Corner. We're now going to go into Cool Person Shit, our miscellaneous section. All right. So this is Cool Person Shit, our miscellaneous section. Uh, Just two short things here. Yeah, not not too much, but uh, let's get into it. We're going to start off with uh, an apology that Blanchette asked the federal government to give to the Quebec people. Okay, so in October 2020, Blanchette urged the federal government to apologize for enacting the War Measures Act in Quebec during the October crisis in the 70s. Taylor, do you know what the October crisis is? No. Shame on you. I know, I know. I don't know (laughs) how to read. We know this. That's right. So, so essentially, there was a group called the FLQ. They were a Quebec separatist uh, extremist group. During the 70s, um, you know, they, they did some stuff. You know, they really wanted to, you know, separate Quebec from the rest of Canada. And um, 
at the height of this um, this this um, conflict between the the state and the FLQ, they actually kidnapped a uh, Quebec cabinet minister uh, by the name of Pierre Laporte and also a British diplomat. And this is what they call the October crisis. And so at the urging of the uh, mayor of Montreal and the premier of Quebec at the time in the 70s, just, or, uh, just, uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, Justin Trudeau's father, who was uh, you know prime minister at the time, he issued for the first time during a like during a time of peace a war measures act which is essentially like uh like martial law in the states mm. so hundreds of soldiers patrolled the streets um hundreds of people were arrested uh, like on suspicion that they were part of the FLQ's um abduction and hostage taking of these two uh ministers and dip- a minister and a diplomat and so mm. yeah, like i think there was like yeah like over 500 people were were rounded up by the police and like question for, you know, are you part of the FLQ? And so Blanchette, you know, in October of last year, he's like, I want an apology for, for this. And he, he issued this in the House of Commons. And he told reporters, you cannot pretend to be deeply in love with Quebec without respecting the desire of Quebecers to receive some apologies from Her Majesty's government. And uh, one of the MPs responded, uh, opposition House leader Gerard Deltel of the Conservatives, uh, he said that his party planned to vote against the motion, and he further said, For us, the October crisis is first and foremost the death of the Deputy Premier of Quebec, Pierre Laporte, who was the, the cabinet minister that was held hostage. Uh, Girard continues, he says, A guy who had been elected by the people of Quebec who had been killed by terrorists. So the apology was never uh, put forward. Hmm. Yeah, I guess in the context of the House, would it need unanimous consent, I think? Or what does well, that look like? I'm not sure if it needs unanimous consent. I, I, I like I feel at like least majority. Yeah. Yeah. I, I should know more about parliamentary procedure. I don't, <laughs> but I feel like their blocking this vote would mm. be because I don't think this never happened. The the fellow right. government never apologized for the October crisis. Yeah, I just I just found that interesting. The October crisis is a very interesting period of time for Canadian history. Yeah, no, I'll have to read on it because I'm illiterate and literally didn't know about it until this moment. Um, but it does <laughs> sound very interesting, especially with the premier being what sounds like assassinated? Question mark. Y- yeah, like he was held hostage. Mm. Uh, the British diplomat lived. It's intense. But, uh, yeah, yeah, no, like it was a. Uh, maybe we'll do an episode on the October crisis whenever we cover um, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, because this mm. is a big moment in his uh, prime ministership for sure. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. If if you want an apology, it it is the Liberal government, to be fair, by Pierre's son. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess it makes sense. I guess I I don't know. It didn't happen, so that's unfortunate, I I guess. I, I don't know. I don't really have strong feelings on this. Like I said, I didn't know about it until now, so clearly mm-hmm. I do like that. And by like, I mean dislike um, Blanchette talking about, you know, being deeply in love with Quebec, like being deeply in love with any state or country or whatever in general I feel like it's always a bad time, but what are your thoughts? 
Well, my thoughts are that I am deeply in love with with uh, Alberta. <laughs> you don't it's even live in Alberta. Beautiful oil sands. <laughs> I actually lived in Calgary well, for a bit, but did you? Oh yeah, you yeah, did. I did. Right, yeah, I right, did. right, right. No, I mean it's beautiful, but also BC is beautiful, and you live like oh, BC is the best the province. Fucking fight me. BC is better than all the other provinces in terms of um, landmarks and general, you know, experiences. I wouldn't disagree. It's expensive though, so that fucking yeah, sucks. That's but, that's where you lose. You know, it is a symbolic act, obviously the apology, and I do think that if you were targeted during this time as a possible member of the FLQ, yeah, you know, and no, wrongly to be arrested, clear, like having police brutality. Soldiers, absolutely, yeah, having soldiers patrol the streets and just take down, um, you know, citizens for whatever reason. I don't know how they determined who they suspected but either way that is absolutely not okay and something i'm not okay with um, yeah uh yeah. trudeau apologize personally oh he did okay what did no, he oh no, okay i, said, I was trudeau. like oh my god <laughs> I'm, I'm speaking to trudeau right now trudeau oh, apologize okay. yeah. yeah trudeau we're desperate please but yeah that'll, that'll do it for my little uh story there yeah well my story is always a short one, and this is during the federal leadership debate, which was in French language, but this question was asked by an English-speaking gentleman from Rebel Media named Kian Bext, um, and he wanted to ask Blanchette a question about the separatism of Alberta and, like, Wexit, though it wasn't, he didn't yeah. use that phrase, but he was specifically asking about, like, the TMX pipeline and that stuff. And Blanchette's response was just, I won't speak with Rebel News. Um, and then Bext went on to ask his question. And after he was done asking his question, Blanchette's answer was that, my answer is that I won't answer you. <laughs> um, and for me, this was kind of rich. I mean, I assume the reason for not wanting to identify with or engage with Rebel News is because if you aren't familiar, they are kind of very much so a conservative. Are they? They're, not, they they're all right. They're all right. Right. Yeah. Excuse me. They're all right. They're extremely far right. Alt right media source. They aren't a think tank, are they? Do you know who started them? Is it Ezra Levant? Yes, who is yes. just a crazy crackpot. Yeah, he's a lot. We'll definitely have an episode on him. We but mentioned in general, him before. We have. We mentioned him in the Trudeau episode. What What was it? He was, I can't remember. He was what commentating the was. on the boxing match between Trudeau and Brazil. Right. Yes. Yeah. And he, yeah. he was using some interesting language. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So Blanchett was like, I'm not going to engage with you. I'm not going to answer you. Um, mm -hmm. To me, that was kind of interesting considering, again, I think popular view of Quebec in general, though more so Bloc Québécois, is that they are kind of racist, <laughs> especially with regards to uh, people who are, uh, or rather, they're Islamophobic. But what are your thoughts? I find it funny because members of other parties did speak to rebel media, but Blanchette was like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no yeah he just didn't want to i mean i get it but it's also like coming from quebecois like really 
Like you're already here. You're yeah. at the event. Like just, just do it, man. Yeah. If Rebel Media ever wants to do an interview with us, uh, we'll be happy to take it. Yeah, we will be happy to platform Rebel no Media and give them. Yeah, we'll all of be the platforming exposure. Rebel Media. That's right. We'll <laughs> yeah, be the ones platforming <laughs> with our huge um, audience and yeah. listener base. No, I will not engage with Rebel Media. Yeah, they're gross. Yeah, uh, yeah. They're gross. We'll we definitely need an episode on Ezra Levant at the very least, because um, he's a mess. He's a messy bitch. That's right. But uh, yeah, that was a short one, but I thought it was interesting too, just for him to completely shut down the conversation and not engage with the question about Alberta separatism and Wexit. Um, And I imagine the interviewer was asking because I guess, you know, in the context of Quebec and their sovereignty and stuff and their view Mm -hmm. of their what Quebec, (laughs) what Quebec is, you know. But uh, yeah. yeah, I guess that'll wrap up the cool person shit and wrap up the podcast as a whole. Taylor, it certainly will. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah. Uh, I just want to give a note to our listeners. Um, I had a crow attack my head today. I was walking towards the beach and all of a sudden I felt these talons on the top of my head <laughs> dig in. And then I looked over to my side and there's this crow a raven flying away from me and it perches on like a bench and looks at me with the coldest <laughs> eyes I've ever seen in my life. Mm. You and I was like, him, man. I was just walking and I got fucking attacked. <laughs> I got assaulted by a bird. That's what you get. That's his territory. Damn. Canada's a dangerous place. Birds will attack you without <laughs> any like uh, provocation. They'll just go after you. No, I'm sure his nest was nearby or her nest was nearby, you know, like there was a tree above you and she just something about you set her off. Yeah, it wouldn't be his nest. He'd be like to the baby. He'd be like to the eggs. I'm going to go in and buy some cigarettes. I'll be right back. <laughs> nice. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry. The ha- Did you sustain any injuries? I haven't checked my scalp yet, but. Uh, you would probably feel it. I'm going to wake up tomorrow with like feather protrusions on my arms (laughs) and like a beak where my nose is. is Like a Spider-Man moment. Okay. Yeah, this is is my origin story. I was attacked by a crow. Mm. I'm just saying BC is a dangerous place. Yeah, can't imagine. (laughs) Damn. But of course, Taylor, the real real important question is um, how many maple leaves out of ten would you so give Blanchette? I'm never one gonna being, give anyone like. Can you shut the fuck <laughs> up? Try. You hear this misogyny? I hope people are listening and are able to identify it. Look, Don't Taylor hates this, this thing, but it's pretty good. I like it. Um, yeah. So you know, one maple leaf being the worst, ten being the best. How many maple leaves out of ten would you give Blanchette? One. Point five. Okay, you have to take this seriously. I am taking it seriously. Like, well, especially in the context that I'm not, uh, I'm not somebody from Quebec, and I'm certain, I'm certainly not French. Mm-hmm. First of all, you know, I'm coming to this like, what, what does he do for me? And the answer is absolutely nothing. And also, I think he's definitely a creep. Um, yeah, and kind of like. At least, at the very least, a little racist. I would say a lot, personally, but, 
you know. Well, I mean, he it was. Sounds, yeah. You know, he was elected um, with no competition. I'll add. He <laughs> as, wasn't elected. In, he just stayed I know, in his candidacy. It's just there was like nobody else. No one wanted to raise their hands in class, but <laughs> Blanchette did. Yeah. And I mean, the Quebecois did get a lot of seats, which obviously, you know, that's something to recognize that people in Quebec do see something about the Quebecois that resonates with them, that represents their interests. And I think especially Mm -hmm. in the context of Trudeau and what just I think most people dislike Trudeau and are disappointed with him like across the entire spectrum. So I think that Who on contributed. Earth had expectations for Trudeau, <laughs> dude. What about um, electoral reform that he so passionately spoke about? Um, I never believed it would happen. To be fair, <laughs> maybe at that point, like I didn't have strong opinions, but I didn't vote liberal. Is my point? But yeah. you know, people had hopes, and people certainly wanted Harper gone. So he was the alternative, and he really hasn't delivered. For most Canadians, and it seems to be a mutual dislike, if not hatred. <laughs> so I get so, that Quebecois yeah. is doing things and are representing the interests of people who live there. But for me personally, uh, Yves Francois Blanchet is a 1.5. 1.5, folks, the lowest score a politician <laughs> has received so far. I think that's true. Um, yeah. It has nothing to do with his being French, although it probably does. <laughs> <laughs> no, French people are okay. I do think I have some French in me, but I certainly don't know any. I've certainly had a French inside of me. Gross. No, I'm actually half French. <laughs> I'm actually half French, so. Well, okay. So, you know, considering Blanchette's role in, you know, the nation, you know, I think he, I think he does help Quebec interests be listened. Um, be listened. Be listened to. There you go. Whatever. Great job. I'm doing French. You're doing, I'm doing great, French grammar. <laughs> <laughs> I would give him a four out of ten maple leaves. Wow, that's pretty good. Well, first of all, he's an alleged sexual assaulter. <laughs> he's like a weird, like music producer label guy. He has stupid-looking glasses and a stupid-looking face. <laughs> Uh, he might be charismatic, but I don't like charismatic people. So, yeah, four point five stars out of me. That's our f- stars. <gasps> no, wow, ruining no. the entire just everything God, that I we thought this podcast was. This was your idea, and you can't even fucking get it right. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, I was thinking stars all the time. I was saying this, so that's unfortunate. Wow. No, four point five maple leaves. Uh, but Taylor, let's wrap this shit up, all right? Yeah, let's uh, get the fuck out of here. Let's let's hit the eject button. All right, as always, folks, you can listen to us at peoplekindpolitics.com. You can find our links there to listen, our social media posts, to like or downvote. No downvotes, please. Only positive no responses. Yeah, you can retweet us if you'd like, you know, peoplekindpolitics.com. That's where you can find us. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> Are you going to say your thing, your your bit that you came up with and we're so proud yeah. of? Okay. Yeah, I'm very proud of it. Um, so, Taylor, as she has just mentioned, um, this is your place for Canadian 
regurgitation. Thank you.